Hello, and welcome to Unstuffing Our Story, with me, Patrice Horsley. On today's show, it's just little old me, sharing the wisdom that came from our two previous guests, Rebecca Hemmings and Aisha Jones, and linking that wisdom into an old, old Norwegian story, all about a girl who is born riding a goat, brandishing a spoon, and having some bizarre little cloak over her head. Are you intrigued? Well, carry on listening to find out more where we together can start to unstuff our stories. Stories have always provided me with some way of orientating my life and my experiences. They provided a a map where I could journey through difficult and new situations with some kind of knowledge of a happy ever after being at the other end of it. And I think it wasn't just traditional fairy tales uh, that filled my life. It was also family stories that were told to me, particularly by my mother and by the most amazing uncle, um, Uncle Albert, and a wonderful, wonderful godmother that I had, um, Auntie Margie. And they always filled me full and fat with stories. And I've returned to these stories throughout my life, and they have given me a constant source of joy and a constant sense of myself and who I am and where I came from. And I hope that this podcast starts to provide some of you with stories that will help you navigate your lives. Now in the stories that Rebecca and Aisha shared about their experiences, a lot of those experiences were linked into physical conditions. In Aisha's case, it was the scoliosis of the spine. And in Rebecca's, it was her cancer diagnosis. And also with both of those phenomenal women, there was a sense when they were younger of either being outside of the normal stories. In Aisha's case, she was talking about her dyslexia, about being dual heritage, and about feeling different. And then in Rebecca's case, she was talking a lot about feeling that she had no other story, no other way of escaping the situation that she had as a young woman growing up in an area that where there was gang violence and she couldn't even dream that perhaps there would be something different but with both of them they had helpers to help them on their journey and to offer different stories and this makes me think about what stories we are born into And how those stories can restrict us and constrict us. I remember there was a time when I was up in the loft and I was sorting through my grown children's baby things. Little outfits that I'd kept. uh, One for my daughter, one for my son and little baby boots and baby blankets. And I can remember just... (sighs) 
that yearning that you have for oh when they were babies they were so lovely and when they were toddlers they were so lovely and then hearing their voices echoing up the stairs to me and hearing those two adults as they were then challenging each other and laughing with each other and this realization that I had that if I if I constantly crave them as they were, then I would never have the capacity to admire them as they are now. If I was constantly looking backwards, then I would never ever be able to look at them in their full glory, this young man and this young woman with all of their abilities. And I think that also made me realize that I was restricting them by the stories I was choosing to continue to use about them. I remember there was one point when I said something to my son about, oh, I didn't think you liked mushrooms because you didn't like them when you were six. Well, of course he didn't like them when he was six, but, you know, now he was 26. He is allowed to change. So... I think it is okay for us to assess the stories we want to carry with us that can be positive and growth-based and cast off like a snake casts off a skin those stories that restrict us and constrict us. We are allowed to cast off the stories we are born with and develop and grow new stories. As soon as I heard both Rebecca and Aisha's stories uh, of their lives and their experiences, the story that I'm going to share with you sprang into my mind. And it is this Norwegian story that's called Tatterhood. It's a fascinating story, quite bizarre, and I absolutely love it. And one of the reasons I think it sprang into mind is because I think both of those women are feisty you know they uh, they will challenge but also they both experienced a time when they didn't have the strength to challenge the stories that were told about them um, to them about them in actual fact people telling their stories to them and I've also been in that situation where I regard myself as a strong human being as feisty as powerful and yet there have been times and I have felt very powerless. And often these are in situations where I believe somebody else is the expert or the professional, particularly in regards to health and um, hospitals and consultants. And it's that thing where you're saying to somebody, this is what I'm experiencing, this is my truth, and they can counter that with, no, what I think you mean to say is this. And you don't really have the, the courage to say, look, I know you're an expert, I know you're a specialist, but I think you're wrong. 
And I don't know why we feel so disempowered in those situations. But we do. I remember when I had um, some treatment after I'd had the lung surgery and they thought it was TB and they were giving me uh, medicine for TB. That's what they were going to um, give me. That's what they thought it might be. And I was really allergic to the antibiotics that they were giving me. And I had some very bad side effects with rashes and stuff. And so I had to go to the hospital uh, to be checked out. And this uh, specialist gave me some medication and told me that I had to wait for an hour. And I waited for about half an hour, 40 minutes. And I said to her, I feel really weird. And she said, oh, it's probably stress. And I said, no, no, I, I, I don't think it's that. She said, oh, but it's a stressful situation being in hospital and you're waiting and you're waiting for something to happen. So it's probably nerves. And I said to her, I, I don't think it is. I just feel a bit strange. And she said, I don't want to invalidate your experience, but I think you're wrong. And I just shut up. And she actually left and went off shift and Another specialist came in and within the next 10 minutes, I had a major allergic reaction to the drug. I had not been wrong in my truth of my experience, but I didn't fight it perhaps as much as I should have. There is something about challenging the stories that others tell us about ourselves and that in many ways, is what Tatterhood is all about. So Tatterhood starts um, with a king and a queen and they cannot have a child. And so the queen is desperately unhappy and she decides that she might foster a child. And so she takes a young girl into the castle, into the court and brings this young girl up as her own daughter. And one day she looks out of the window and her daughter is playing with a a beggar girl and they're throwing a golden apple to each other and the queen doesn't like this at all her daughter her foster daughter playing with the riffraff and the peasants and so she calls her in and the beggar girl says if you knew if you knew what my mother could do you wouldn't treat me like this and the queen's a bit intrigued and she says well, what can your mother do and the beggar girl says, she can let you have a child. She can make you have a child. And so the queen calls the old woman in. And the old woman says she can do that. And what the queen has to do is bathe herself and throw the water under her bed. And in the morning, there'll be a beautiful flower and and a withered flower and she should eat the beautiful flower but whatever she does she shouldn't eat the ugly flower the withered flower and of course in the tradition of great fairy tales the queen doesn't follow uh that those guidelines and she eats a beautiful flower and it tastes so good she thinks well I'll pop the other one into my mouth and then within nine months uh, indeed she's pregnant and she is ready to give birth and the first child she gives birth to is this young girl riding a goat, brandishing a wooden spoon and with this tattered hood over her head. 
And the Queen isn't very happy about that, but the young girl calls out, don't worry, there's somebody much prettier than me following behind. And indeed, a twin is born who is just gorgeous in that traditional fairy tale, fairy tale style. And no matter what happens, those two girls are really, really close and always together. It's like Tatterhood is always protecting her younger twin. And you can't separate them both. They both love each other dearly. And one Christmas comes and the Queen and the King lock everybody in. There's a great hullabaloo outside the castle and Tatterhood says, you know, what's wrong? And these trolls apparently come every Christmas and cause chaos outside. And Tatterhood, riding about on her goat with a wooden spoon, says, lock all the doors and windows. I'm going to go out and I'm going to beat them off. And she does this. She rides out on the goat, hitting everybody with her wooden spoon, her face covered with her tattered hood. But somebody left one of the windows open and her twin sister sticks her head out the window and one of those trolls chops off her sister's head and replaces it with the head of a cow. <laughs> this story gets weirder. It's wonderful. I love this story. So Tatterhood returns to the castle. There's her sister with the head of a cow mooing. And Tatterhood's not happy with anybody. And she says to her father, the king, give me a boat with all provisions and I'm going to go off with my sister and I'm going to get her head back. And I don't want any sailors or anybody helping me. It's just going to be me and my sister. So the king agrees and she goes off on the boat and she wraps a cloth around her sister's head so nobody sees she's got the head of a cow. She gets to the land where the trolls are. She goes in, sees her sister's head hanging up on the wall, takes it, beats the trolls with her wooden spoon, goes back and pops her sister's head back on her sister's body. And then they go off on a little adventure on their boat and they get to a land where there is a king and a prince and they pull the boat up and Tatterhood is riding around and around on the deck of the boat on her goat, brandishing a wooden spoon. And uh, the people come and they say, oh, you know, come and meet our king. And she's like, no, it's OK. You tell your king to come down here because I've got the most beautiful sister you've ever seen. And I hear that your king's quite lovely. So tell him to come down here and perhaps I might introduce him to my sister. So the king is intrigued and he comes down. And when the sister looks at the king, when the king looks at the sister, you know, their hearts beat. And it's like one of those old love books where his muscular arms encircled her softly yielding waist and he was powerless to resist. And indeed, they fall in love and the king desperately wants to marry Tatterhood's sister. But Tatterhood says, only if I can marry your son, the prince. Obviously, the prince isn't too happy about this. But the king forces the prince to marry Tatterhood. And uh, she rocks up to, you know, the wedding on a goat with a spoon and the tattered hood. And they have the wedding ceremony. And afterwards, the prince is looking rather despondent. And uh, <laughs> she says to him, why are you looking so sad? Why are you looking so upset? And he's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And she says, well, why don't you ask me why I'm riding this goat? And he says, well, why are you riding that goat? And she looks at him. And she says, are you sure this is a goat? Or is it the most magnificent horse you've ever seen? And when he looks, indeed, it is the most magnificent horse he has ever seen. But he's still a bit unhappy and despondent. And she says, why are you still sad and despondent? He's like, well, 
doesn't really speak much. And she says, why don't you ask me why I'm carrying this wooden spoon? And he says, well, why are you carrying that wooden spoon? And she challenges him. She says, are you sure it's a wooden spoon? Or is it an amazing silver wand? And he looks, and indeed, it is an amazing silver wand. But he's still not that happy. He's a very grumpy guy. And they carry on next to each other. And she says, why are you so grumpy and despondent? And he mumbles some response. And she says, why don't you ask me why I'm wearing this tattered hood? And so he says to her, why are you wearing that tattered hood? And she says, are you sure it's a tattered hood? Look again, is it not the most incredible crown and tiara you have ever seen? And he looks, indeed it is, and she's in beautiful wedding gown. But still he's not that happy, because her face is covered with soot and dirt, and she says to him, why are you still unhappy and despondent? And he mumbles some answer. And she says to him, why don't you ask me why my face is covered with soot and dirt? And he says to her, why is your face covered with soot and dirt? And she says, look at me. Are you sure it's covered with soot and dirt? Or are you looking at the face of the most beautiful woman you have ever seen? And indeed, when he looks, he sees the most beautiful woman he has ever seen. And she falls on him like a hot storm on a dry desert. And that's where the story finishes, with a happy ever after. There are so many things that I love about that story. And also for me, there are so many messages that I have found in it um initially i think i I saw it as a story that for me was to do with being judged by others and people not seeing my true worth or my true value and perhaps even sometimes my true worth and value being hidden from myself but also i was talking to my husband uh, about this idea of you know, the single story just being seen through one story. And he said to me, do you remember when you did that in the interview with Sandra? And I remembered back and I had and Sandra challenged me because I had made up a story about men in general, that men cannot feel the fear that women feel. And I said to her, you know, when a woman is walking alone at night and we feel that fear. And Sandra challenged me and said, but men feel fear as well because they feel the fear of being feared by a woman. They might cross to the other side of the road or they might stop walking behind her or that fear that they carry the whole time of being thought of as one of those men. And I thought my husband was so right that, you know, I strive and try to be open, but I will often judge people through a single narrative, a single story about them or about the group that they might belong to. So for me, Tatterhood 
is very much about a story that we are born into, a story that we need the strength to challenge, and also the stories that we hold about others that we need to find the strength and the the ability, the, the consciousness to change. But we need to know that we hold those stories first in order to be able to challenge them and change them. And quite often, those things are incredibly difficult to become conscious of because we are so brought up with them that we think of them as a truth rather than as a story. Mm, It's not easy. But this work, though hard, is incredibly, incredibly rewarding. So, you lovely listeners, I have another invitation for you. In the same way that I invited you, the last time it was just you and me together, I invited you to speak out loud the story you want to live, to start to put into action your dream. I'm inviting you this time to challenge. If somebody is telling your story to you and it is not the right story, it is not your experience, it is not your truth, challenge. And you don't have to challenge aggressively, you can challenge curiously. One of my favorite ways of questioning people and challenging people is to start with the phrase, oh, I'm curious about why you think that. I'm curious about why you say that. I'm curious about. And that makes people reflect on what they're saying. Rather than pushing against you, curiosity makes people step towards you. So that's my little invitation to you all. Start to challenge people who narrate your story incorrectly by being curious about why they do that. So that's it, you lovely, lovely people. The end of yet another episode of Unstuffing Our Story. But before you go, please remember to uh, join us on our Instagram page of the same name, Unstuffing Our Story. And please subscribe to the podcast and leave me messages about what it means to you. And just before you go, I have to tell you about the next guest who is going to be talking with me on the 22nd of January. And that is the incredible Raymond Watson, who is a visual artist. He lives in Ireland. His work is quite site-specific stuff, installations. He's worked internationally, New York, France, Spain, India. And he works a lot around the themes of peace and reconciliation. He's a great lover of mythical stories. And he has a great many stories to tell 
from being a political prisoner to being a man who cuts his own peat and builds his own boats from canvas and pitch and bent wood. Come on, you know you want to listen to him. So please join me on the 22nd of January with Raymond, where we together can listen to him unstuff his story. Bye-bye for now.